Welcome back to All Football is Good Football. I'm Aaron Irving coming to you from Scottsdale, Arizona, where the snowbirds are beginning to make their way back down here for the uh, for the winter. We've got a lot to get into today. We've got week five recap, got AP top 10 check-in. I've got my top 10 for you, and I've got week six preview as well. We've also got some walk-off wages for you. So let's go ahead and just get right into it. We're going to start off with Utah State and Oregon State on um, Friday night. Um, so I fully expected Oregon State to come out a bit sluggish in this game and a bit defeated after a crushing road loss on the road to Washington State. The But their defense, yet again, was stingy, only allowing 198 yards and holding Utah quarterback Nate Johnson to 8 of 23 for only 101 yards and um, only allowed the Utah running game to get 1.6 yards per carry. That kind of defensive showing is going to win more than enough games. Um, in a game featuring two top five defenses, uh, this uh, was really about generating explosive plays. Silas Bolden delivered again for the Beavers. He had six grabs for 100 yards and uh touchdown, plus a 45-yard um, touchdown to pretty much put the game on ice early in the fourth quarter. The Beavers looked um, firmly in control throughout the game, uh, looking – Looking ahead, uh, they have a very workable schedule and uh, should be in a good spot to still uh, be hanging around with only one loss um, as they look to end their season by taking on Washington before going into the Civil War uh, with with Oregon. Um, for Utah, it's just the story of the season is pretty much unchanged. When does Cam Rising return? How effective is Rising when he returns? And does he return with enough time for them to be in position to win the third straight Pac-12 championship and finally break through and get to the college football playoff. Uh, Utah's heading into a bye week, uh, and then they'll take on count. Then they got a four-game stretch that's going to include USC, um, who, you know, we will, we will be talking about them later. Um, then we have, um, they'll have Oregon and Washington. Um, good QB play is going to be mandatory to win those games. And the only way that they're going to get that good QB play is if Cam Rising returns. Next, we got Clemson and Syracuse. Uh, yes, this was an unranked matchup, but in my um, view, it still has some importance to the sport. If Clemson had lost this game, you know what? I'm glad Clemson didn't lose this game because it, it just would have been a very, very uncomfortable conversation uh, for, for Tigers fans. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Syracuse um, has seemingly always given Clemson problems. Not Not sure why that's been the case, but it wasn't on Saturday. Clemson did what I expect a program of this caliber to do. Um, the Clemson defense, I mean, just what, I mean, what a showing. Five sacks, three forced fumbles. Uh, I, I know Christian Wilkins is somewhere just, just beaming right now at that kind of performance. Um, so yeah, I mean, for, for Clemson looking forward, I mean, they're going to look to keep this momentum going. They got Wake Forest, uh, coming up and then they got a chance to send, um, a message to the nation again when they get to take on Miami. I'm sure there will be a lot of eyes on that game you know, to see, you know, all right, has Clemson figured it out? Where's Miami stand now in the ACC? Be another uh, kind of kind of keystone game throughout the throughout that conference. Um, you know, this this game starts uh, for Syracuse their roughest stretch of their schedule. Um, a win here would have been massive for morale. Now they are going to have to take on Drake May and UNC before taking on. Um, the Knowles and both of those games will be um, will be on the road. I mean, much respect to Dino Babers and uh, the program that he's built there, but definitely a tough road looking ahead. 
and now we get into something I've been looking forward to talking about since um, seeing this Saturday at noon, um, and that is USC versus Colorado. Um, there is 89 points scored in this game. At one point, USC looked to be firmly controlled this game, with the score being 34 to seven late in the first half. Um, at one point, it was 48 to 21 late in the third quarter. 48 to 41 just just cannot happen, and it's no secret to anyone that's been watching the sport um, for the past few years. Um, Lincoln Riley just has not been able to get it figured out on defense. Him and Alex Grinch, I, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know. I don't know who to blame because we can blame Grinch's scheme, but but Riley continues to enable the the, the behavior, and this is the result that we continue to get. And USC is pretty fortunate to come out of this game and it's, it's just not an effort that's going to beat anyone of worth like it's a Colorado team that Vegas had winning three and a half games in the preseason they, now, now Dion's done a great job with them and you know we can talk about that another time but this game should not this game cannot be close if USC has aspirations to win a Pac-12 championship and get to the, and finally break through and get to the college football playoff that just that just cannot happen um but to me, that was not the most concerning thing. We we all understand that the USC defense is bad. What concerns me is that the USC offense almost stalls out in the second half. I, you, I get 14 second-half points and zero points in the fourth quarter. And against the Colorado defense, that is just not good and whose best player was not playing – and there's just no points to be found for a, an offense with the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. I, that, that's got to be concerning if you're a USC fan. Um, so now, I mean, there's questions. So what happens against Utah and Oregon? I mean, those are two defenses that have very good fronts. Their offensive line can 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 move can move people. Um, so it, it's it's going to be is that that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, they have, they have to go to South Bend and play Notre Dame and Notre Dame defense looks to be, looks to be pretty, pretty rough and their offense may be able on that USC defense to hit enough big plays. So what, what will happen in South Bend? Are they going to be able to live up to the pressure of that moment? It's going to be, you know, a, an electric place just like it was for that Ohio State game. And it's going to be, you know, probably even more so electric with USC coming to town. Um, and then, you know, you also have a potential shootout with Washington on the horizon as well. I mean, it's, it just doesn't get easier. And then you also get to face, you know, at the end of your schedule on November 18th, you get to play Chip Kelly as a reward for going through all that. So you got to find a way to tighten up these screws. Um, you know, I saw some pretty interesting things about um, how USC is, is probably snapping the ball too fast, given given um, that the quicker they snap the ball, the more plays that they're putting on their defense. And that at, throughout the course of these games, they can be saving, you know, anywhere from, you know, about, 15 players or so in their defense judgment taking a little time off. So it's going to be interesting to see if that's something that Lincoln Riley and that staff have picked up on and how, and how they start managing games. They start trying to slow the game down a little bit, but still making sure that they have those advantages on offense. Um, Dion and Colorado just touch on them real quick. Been great, did a great job to fight their way back into this game um, and making competitive. Um, still, they're probably, uh, some people are saying that it's next year. I, I think that they still got about probably about two, maybe three years before um, 
they're they're really um, contending for conference championships and, and and stuff like that. At that point, they will be in the Big Twelve, so more than feasible for sure. Um, but hey, for for me, I had Colorado going three and nine this year, so they've already met my expectations for the season. One hundred and four. One hundred and four. That's how many points were scored in this one. And if you didn't know any better, you'd probably go and blame the Big 12. I would too. But this was not the Big 12. This was an SEC game. It was one that um, featured Lane Kiffin. I'm talking LSU and Ole Miss. Um, A complete thriller, honestly. Um, And a game that I think Lane Kiffin absolutely had to have. Um, There were some grumblings that, that he did not have a signature win. Um, during his time at Ole Miss, um, and truthfully, as, as, you know, as I started hearing some of these grumblings, I started kind of thinking back, and I, you, you get to thinking about this. It's a signature win before this, um, you know, that game against Tennessee where they threw the mustard bottle at him. Um, but now we have Lane Kiffin with a top 15 win at home while um, – you know, many started to write him off and, you know, think that he might have just been a gimmick coach. But here he goes. You know, this is just what the doctor ordered. And I love that he did it his way. 706 yards of uh, offense for the Rebels. I mean, if it was a championship contending team, I, I would have my questions about the defense for sure, right? Because um, LSU absolutely was, you know, going up and down the field too. But it only you only, uh, get talked about in a positive way if you win, unfortunately. Um Ole Miss just needed a win. They did win and are quietly still alive for an SEC West crown. <sighs> but there's always an ugly side to games like this, and that's for LSU and Brian Kelly. It's just not a good situation right now. Sitting now at 3-2 and two, um, with many of those preseason goals um, and aspirations looking pretty bleak. College football playoff bid is, 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 is more than likely dead. It, it would take un, unreasonable amounts of chaos for LSU to get back into that. So go ahead and kiss that goodbye. Um, not in a great position in the SEC West, given who they've played at this point and given who they just lost to. Um, just not, not in a great spot and, you know, still understand that you have both Texas A&M and Bama ahead of you in the SEC West. It's going to be interesting to see how um, the team responds. A uh, big time opportunity <clears throat> to show some maturity this weekend coming up in Columbia, Missouri. Can Brian Kelly keep these guys engaged after a less than stellar start to the season? That's going to be the big question for them going forward. It's going to be a big response. Can he get the guys to rally for themselves? Can he get the guys to rally for him? Be interesting. Not going to look at uh, Notre Dame and Duke and, I mean, here Notre Dame and back-to-back weeks has absolutely delivered thrillers. Um, yes, they have been low-scoring, um, and it may seem like ugly games, uh, but they are gutsy and they are beautiful. Um, Duke is not a story program by any stretch of the imagination, but for Marcus Freeman to go on the road, um, have his team – um, pull up the top, uh, pull up a top five win, um, is massive for what he is trying to build there. Um, I absolutely hope to, um, have seen more from the Irish offense in the past couple of weeks than I have seen. Um, 
against better competition. Again, we saw, you know, they look great against Navy. You know, they look great early in the season against Tennessee State, but they, that's just them doing what they were supposed to do. Was hoping to see more of it against Ohio State and Duke. Um, but hey, you know, um, you, you find a way to be competitive. You find a way to win games. I absolutely will give you credit for that all the time. Uh, this defense is serious and is the reason that Notre Dame is able to stick around in these games. Up next for Notre Dame, they have the Cardinals. Um, road game down in Louisville this week. Uh, the Irish still do have plenty to play for. Um, again, only one loss. Um, but yeah, much to play for. Duke is going to be without, uh, Riley Leonard for some time. He suffered a high ankle sprain, um, in that final, um, in the final Duke drive. Um, they do have, uh, NC State after a bye. At, um, at home before back-to-back weekends on the road against uh, Florida State and Louisville. Um, Leonard's status is going to remain questionable for this year for future. Um, so definitely wishing him the best in his future recovery. Here is some food for thought going back for, to Notre Dame, though. Can a one-loss Notre Dame team have a shot at the college football playoff if the Big Ten champion is not Ohio State. That'll do it for this week's uh, weekly recap. We are absolutely flying through uh, this week. So let's take a look at some other big things from the weekend. Let's go ahead and check in with some of the other top 10 teams. We got UGA surviving on the road at Auburn. Um, I mean, Brock Bowers, that just might be the best player in the country right there, regardless of position. Um, I will give UGA credit, more more credit than I think some people want to give them for winning this game. I think this was a very difficult, I think Jordan-Hare Stadium is one of the toughest places to play in the country. Um, it's it's a rocking environment. You know, Hugh Freeze has, you know, injected just a little bit of hope into the program. Big, big rivalry game, one of the biggest rivalry games in the sport that really doesn't get talked about a lot because um, it hasn't really had some of the national significance um, in the past couple of years, but, you know, if, if, you know, some things start happening in Auburn, wouldn't be surprised, um, if this game, you know, starts getting a little bit more national significance again, but, um, absolutely going to give UGA credit for weathering the storm 110%. I mean, Carson Beck, you know, in um, probably, you know, biggest road start of his career, um, you know, goes in there, handles it well. Um, but a great job by the UGA offensive line, giving up zero sacks. I know there's a lot of concern um, about them not being the same in the trenches. I think you got to you, you go on the road in the SEC and you um, keep your quarterback clean for four quarters. I think you uh, I think you can say some uh, a lot of positive things about offensive line. Um, let's see, uh, Michigan uh, was on the road. And Nebraska this week absolutely demolished them. Um, yep, it, not much to talk about there. Michigan just just did exactly what I what I would expect them to do on the road in Lincoln. Uh, Texas uh, made light work of uh, Kansas in the second half. Kind of got off to a slower start then than I'd like to see them, but but they just kept grinding away at it and eventually got the Jayhawks to break down and rolled away to a very comfortable forty to fourteen win. Hookham, Ohio State was off this week. Florida State was off this week as well. Uh, Penn State would uh, pull away from Northwestern Lake. Again, sluggish start, sluggish, sluggish start for uh, the Nittany Lions. Did not like that at all. Uh, but, again, 
you win a conference game on the road, you do have to get credit for that. It's tough to win conference games on the road. Don't care how bad the opponent is. It's something about a conference game on the road that is just difficult. Um, here's another one. Washington struggling against Arizona on the road. Um, it's tough to win conference games on the road. Unless you're the Oregon Ducks, apparently, who just made complete, who just made light work of Stanford 42 to 6 this week. And, uh, so in other news, Kentucky, Louisville, and Missouri are all 5 and 0. Oh. Now, they're all also in the top 25. I have no idea who the best of these teams really is. I want to lean Kentucky, um, because of that win that I saw them get over Florida, not necessarily because of the talent in Florida, I actually was going to spend some time breaking down this game, but because I'm just haven't been really that impressed with the Gators, didn't really want to spend a whole lot of time diving into them selfishly. Um, but just more about the style, the style in which Kentucky just came out and just imposed their will on another team like that. 280 yards um, for Ray Davis. I mean that that's that, that's just an incredible performance. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, of those three teams, you know, or, or any of these teams for real now, it's actually perfect. We are, we're going to learn something about all three of these teams this upcoming week. Uh, Kentucky's got, Kentucky's going down to Athens to play Georgia. Louisville's going to host Notre Dame and Missouri's going to, um, host LSU. So we're going to find out something about all three of these teams this weekend. And just, it's, it's, it's very likely that, that one of these teams pulls off an upset. It is very likely for sure. Um, now UCF and Baylor probably uh just just the biggest uh wow moment of of the weekend for me uh with Baylor being down thirty five to seven with eight oh eight to go in the third and somehow um pulling that one off um all the while Central Florida can, pulled off maybe the um craziest fourth down conversion I've ever seen on the on their final drive and then their kicker just unfortunately misses it. Never kick a sad field goal. You should just never kick a sad field goal. You should never leave the game in the hands of a kicker and Gus Malzahn who 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 was on the sideline, who saw the kick six happen. He of all people should know that you should never leave the game in the hands or on the foot of a kicker. Because they will always kick a sad field goal, and he just has to learn this lesson again. He has to witness this lesson again in a more painful fashion this time. Um, but yeah, I mean, just what 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 a crazy game, and what a big win for Baylor uh, to get back on the right track a little bit. Um, but just want to take a little bit of time to give um, a you know, some 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 respect to to Neil Brown and uh, the West Virginia Mountaineers, who are undefeated in Big Twelve play and are four and one on the season. That one loss coming to Penn State team, who I think very 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 highly of, and um, we can actually talk a little bit about how highly I think of them here, um, as I'm going to go through my top ten now. Um, honorable mentions in the order of eleven, twelve, and thirteen. At 11, I would have had Notre Dame just, just a bit outside. Just, um, you got that one loss on there and, uh, tried, tried to keep it, um, as many undefeated teams as possible. I do have a one loss team in there and I, I, I felt a little bit ashamed by doing it, but I, it's just the way in which I rate these teams and way in which I see these certain matchups going is just kind of how I, how I've been ranking the teams and it's just, it is a week to week thing. Uh, USC, I do have a 12 this week. I did drop them out. 
um, that defense. Uh, I, I didn't like what I saw from the defense. I didn't like the like of offense that I saw um, in the fourth in, in the fourth quarter in the second half um, against Colorado. So for me, that that was enough for me to take them out of my top ten this week. And um, at number thirteen, I do have Washington State. Would love to put them in there, you know, can see what happens. They do have kind of a tricky game um, against uh, UCLA this week. Um, so they want to be careful about that, especially going down there on the road, playing Chip Kelly. Um, would, would definitely be be careful with that game. But at number 10, I have the Oklahoma Sooners. I know there's questions about the, the level of competition. Um, I definitely have my doubts about Oklahoma. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot about them this weekend um, when they go down the, um, the Cotton Bowl to play the Longhorns. But as of right now, got to give them respect. Uh, four being 5-0, and oh, four winning games by the margin of the victory that they've had. They've had a couple of close ones, but most of their games have been have been blowouts at this point. So I will give them credit, and I will put them at number 10. But I do find them to be worse than a one-loss Alabama team. I might be rating Bama a little bit higher because I know that the better Bama looks, the better Texas looks, but I do genuinely think that Alabama beats Oklahoma. Um, that's kind of how I went off this rating, but who, uh, but because I think that this team can move the ball a little bit better through the year and they also have a very effective ground game, I do think that Ohio State is better than Alabama currently. And so for that reason, I have Ohio State sitting at eight. I like what I've seen. Um, from from the offense um, and flashes, I think that there was a lot of growing up that happened um, in South Bend uh, for for the Buckeyes. I think that was a massive win. I think that's going to be a corner, cornerstone win. I think that we're going to see them continue to get try to get a little bit more physical um, throughout the rest of this season. I think they're really going to play with that chip on their shoulders. Teams take the identity of their coaches, and I think that Ryan Day is trying to impose an identity of physical of physicality into this Ohio State program. I don't know how far it will take them because at a certain point you've got to measure it up on the field and you and everyone knows that there's one game that Ohio State has to win this year, and that was not the Notre Dame game. That's a great win. But there's another road game that Ohio State needs to win this year in order to really, really, really put some of these um, worries, if you will, to bed. And in spite of what I've seen and what I like from Ohio State, I couldn't move them above this team because they were off this week. Um, but I, but had, but given the way that Penn State played, I would have dropped Penn State. However, I cannot, in my head, justify dropping you just because, um, because, because Ohio State did did not play this weekend for for that reason. I could not drop uh, Penn State below Ohio State. Did not like what I saw from um. From, from Penn State this weekend. Um, like the fact that they eventually pulled away, but again, I, I, I need to see you put Northwestern to bed a little bit sooner, especially when you're talking about, um, oh, we, before the game, you know, we, we were practicing with no music because, you know, that's going to be the environment there. Well, you know, maybe worry less about the tricks and the gimmicks and stuff. Let your guys practice how they practice and, you know, just worry about executing on Saturday. Um, and number six, um, had, had, had to swap this, um, uh, because again, a little bit, uh, concerning performance down, uh, down in Tucson for, for the Huskies. So I do have them at six, flip them with Oregon, who I put at five. Uh, yeah, just, 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 just bringing Washington down just, just based on what I saw. You know, both, both teams, um, went on the road. Both teams, um, came out with a W. 
Oregon looked a lot better in theirs. I know Oregon was uh, kind of tight with Stanford for a little bit. I I, I, I was uh, paying some attention and did see that, you know, it wasn't a complete blowout, but Oregon did eventually just blow the game open and won by, you know, another massive margin um, of victory. And number four, I do have the Michigan Wolverines still. My top four remains unchanged this week. Um, it's the Michigan Wolverines. Much credit to uh, handling uh, Nebraska on the road. Looking forward to y'all playing somebody. Uh, and number three, I have the Texas Longhorns. Um, great win for them. Um, not great, but good win for them. Taking care of business. It was Kansas. Listen, that's, uh, I call it a great win because I'm a Texas fan. We, we've been scarred by Kansas enough. So <laughs> any win over Kansas is a great win. Um, Florida State kept them at number two. Still think that they do have the best resume. Although that did take another hit um, with LSU. I cannot punish um, FSU for LSU shortcoming later in the season. I can only give you credit for what I saw on the field. I still think they have the best resume in the country. But I have to give respect to the back-to-back national champion Georgia Bulldogs, who are main number one in my top ten for this week. So I got... Oklahoma, I've got Alabama, I've got Ohio State, Penn State, Washington, Oregon, Michigan, Texas, FSU, and Georgia. That is the order from 10 to 1 on on the outside looking in. Got Notre Dame, USC, and Washington State. And with that, we will now get into the fun part where I get to try and predict things. And now I put it on the World Wide Web, and I get to be held accountable for that which I say before games. So let's get into this first one, one that is near and dear to my heart, and that is, I think it's now sponsored by Allstate. It is now the Allstate Red River Showdown, but we all know that it's truly the Red River Shootout. Both of these teams are undefeated. Um it is uh, two kind of two different vibes um, about each program, though. Texas is seen as a real threat by many for the college football playoff. Um, well, Oklahoma, it seems they seem to have questions due to their competition or lack thereof. Oklahoma is seventh in passing yards per game. They are third in points per game uh, with a defense that's only allowing just a shade under 11 points per game. They do have a quarterback this year. They do have a quarterback this year. We have to acknowledge that as much as I like making 49-0 jokes, it is it. And when you're actually looking um, for analysis on this game, it is important to note that last year Oklahoma was playing with a tight end at quarterback. I'm not saying that would have stopped Texas from putting up half a hundred on them, but Oklahoma might have scored some touchdowns as well. That's just a possibility. We don't know. What we do know is that this year Dylan Gabriel is healthy. Dylan Gabriel will be playing in this game. There's still a question, though, because there is a lack of big game experience for Dylan Gabriel in an Oklahoma uniform. He just has not played in any big game. The biggest game he probably played in an Oklahoma uniform was Bedlam last year, and Bedlam was between two two teams that two teams that just were not good. Let's just be honest. Oklahoma State was not a good team. Oklahoma wasn't a good team last year. Will he be able to deliver in this spot? Can this OU front get enough of a push to get – the um to get the run game going. I don't think so. I think that Dylan Gabriel is going to have to be surgical all afternoon 
but how much time is he going to have to be able to sit back and dissect plays? Or is he going to have to get the ball out of his hands fast? What's Jeff, Le- what's Jeff Levy's game plan going to be to counter this uh, Texas front that's been getting after quarterbacks all season long? Are these receivers going to make enough big plays for Oklahoma? Do they really have that big play threat? This is going to be the best team that Oklahoma has played thus far this year. Again, there have been questions about the level of competition. You struggled against Cincinnati. They seemingly had a bit of a difficult time with SMU. We're going to get a lot of questions answered about Oklahoma during this game. Texas comes into the Cotton Bowl as the betting favorite for what feels like the first time in eons. It feels like Texas can win this game multiple ways. It feels like Texas can win this game if it's a defensive slugfest. It feels like Texas can win this game if Quinn has to air it out. If it's got to be Brooks and Baxter in the backfield, uh, just just running the game away. This game should be had by the Horns. How does Texas fare in the red zone? Oklahoma has seemed to be pretty good in the red zone so far this season. Texas has seemingly struggled at times. That's going to be a very interesting piece of the game to watch. Field goals do not win at the state fair. I may be putting too much stock into what I saw Texas do at Brian Denny Stadium. I think OU is too reliant on Gabriel to win this game. I expect Oklahoma to start this game hot. I'm thinking it could be easily be 21-17, 20-13 at the half in favor of the Sooners. Would not surprise me. Even a 21-10 wouldn't surprise me at the half. In the end, I think Texas is on a mission. I like Texas to win this game. I like Texas to cover the six and a half at the Cotton Bowl this Saturday. Let's take a look at LSU, Missouri. Um, so let's see. Brian Kelly's washed. Jaden Downey's a sorry. Uh, so Missouri by 10, right? Um, I won't rule that out as a possibility. But it certainly would be irresponsible, grossly irresponsible even, for me to predict such. Um, What we see from LSU is really going to show us how these players feel about Brian Kelly, I believe. Are they going to play hard for him when their season dreams seem vanquished? We kind of touched on this earlier. Do they play for each other? It's tough to rebound from that kind of gut-wrenching rivalry road loss. LSU, excuse me, Missouri is getting LSU at the best, but also the worst spot um, for these reasons. I mean, what, what an opportunity for Missouri, right? I mean, you get national television. It's a home game. It's ranked SEC football. It's going to be the biggest game that, that some of these kids have played into this point in their careers. How do they deal with this moment? This game, in my mind, comes down to which defense can make the big plays, get the big stop, get the big turnover, and when do they do it? I think LSU was in trouble. But I can't convince myself to go all in on Missouri. I think this game 
It's fireworks from start to finish. I like Missouri to cover the six and a half, but I do think LSU is going to escape Columbia with a win. Out of respect for the program that the University of Kentucky has become, the job that Mark Stoops has done to get that program at this point, I felt obligated to speak on this game. That being said, this should not be close. I'm talking UK. I'm talking Georgia. This game should not be close. But that's not how college football works. When I think of the pass for Kentucky, the only way I can see it is with turnovers. And after last week's scare in Jordan Hare, I, I, I struggle to see that happening. This this is a this is a night game. I expect Sanford Stadium to be rocking. They don't get a whole lot of night games between the hedges. So when they get the opportunity to play at night and flash all those red lights and stuff, they, they the you know the the fans show up and show out for those games for sure. I expect a much cleaner performance from Georgia. This is a home game for them. They are where they're going to be comfortable. If any team is going to be a little bit rattled, I think it's going to be Kentucky that that struggles to live up to the moment. Um, if UK had better talent <clears throat> outside, I could probably make more of an argument that Georgia could be had out there. But I don't. I just. I just don't see the talent. Stoops has built UK into a very solid program. Some some of the some people look at them as they 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 kind of come from that Michigan and and Georgia feel. You know we're going to be physical. We're going to run the ball. We're going to establish strong. We're going to hit you with a couple of big passes along the way. I just don't think that today that they can beat the lights of those schools playing their own game. Um. I like UGA, and I also am going to take the dogs to cover the 14 and a half. Is this Alabama's biggest test left? That's what many people are saying. I can absolutely understand why we're talking about Alabama when we're talking about Texas A&M. Kyle Field is one of the toughest places to play. That's no secret to anyone. It's not a sneaky, tough place to play. When when you think about home field advantages throughout the SEC, throughout all the college football, Kyle Field doesn't make the list. I I don't like a whole lot of things about a and I don't like Kyle Field, but I do acknowledge that it's a difficult place to play. Um, we saw what happened to Alabama in 2021. It's, that, we don't We don't have to revisit that. Can they be had again? That's what that's what actually matters. Can they be had again? There are some major questions for that Bama offense um, against this Aggie defense. This Aggie defense does seem to be does seem to be uh, uh, kind of kind of figuring things out after that Miami game. It was that due to lack of competition. Who knows? Uh, well, we don't know, but we are going to find out a little bit more come Saturday. Um, how does that Bama offensive line hold up? Can they generate enough of a pass offense to keep Texas A&M honest on defense so that they can't load up the, the box with eight and uh, seven guys to keep that box light and give them a better opportunity to run the football? They're going to need to be able to connect on some of those passes, and Jermaine Burton needs to show up and have a pretty decent game for the tie on Saturday. And Alabama must play a clean game on Saturday. They must play a clean game on Saturday. Something that... Killed them in the Texas game. They had some false starts. They had some holding calls. They cannot have those 
And it's going to be tough. Again, Kyle Field, one of the toughest places to play. It's going to be easy to grab on a jersey. It's going to be easy to flinch the line of scrimmage. They're going to have to be very disciplined. On the flip side, A&MS questions too. Max Johnson was effective, but Alabama is not Arkansas. There's a much better defense. Is the A&M defense as good as we had made it out to be, or are they more like the team that got smoked by Miami? Now, during that game, A&M did turn the ball over three times. That didn't help. I do think that Alabama is finally hitting their rhythm on offense, and they are establishing an identity. And I think that this Saturday, they make it known. I said it last week, Nick Saban ain't dead. I like Alabama to win, and I like Alabama to cover the two and a half. Notre Dame comes into Louisville after splitting two emotional games with Ohio State and Duke. I think that's actually going to benefit the Irish here. Having been on both sides of those um, two games, I think they should be very accustomed to a situation should the game get late and it's, um, and it's close um, and play freer because of this. Um, this is a Cardinal team who, who might get tight and tense. Um, Jaden Greyhound and Jaden Thomas are both due back. That's big time for the um, Notre Dame passing attack this week. Um, that isn't too deep, but they did pick up some good quality production from Mitchell Evans, who figures to be um, a key piece in the passing attack still. Um, we haven't even touched on uh, uh, Estimate yet, uh, who's proven to be one of the best backs in the nation right now. Um, this Notre Dame um, defense is serious. Um, is Jack Plummer going to be up to this challenge? Louisville has been a good story thus far, and it's been cool to see what Jeff Bob has done going back um, to his old stomping ground. Um, and he's going to continue to do good work with that program. It's just, it's not their time yet, I don't think, not not to win this kind of game. Although they do have some opportunities, they got some opportunities to upset somebody at some point, and maybe this this weekend. I don't think it's this weekend. Marcus Freeman and the Irish are going to keep their slim playoff hopes alive as they win and cover the six and a half and get ready for USC the following week. And look at that, under 40 minutes, got um, a week five recap, top 10 done, and um, also also got a week got a week six preview in there as well. So now let's go ahead and hit up um, some, some walk-off wagers. They're walk-offs because you're either going to walk off into the sunset or you're going to walk off angry at the ticket. I don't know which one's going to happen, but... Uh, what I got for you this week, I got Washington State plus three and a half. They are on the road at UCLA this weekend. Almost would like them straight up, honestly. But um, I might have learned my lesson about trying to take Pac-12 road team straight up. So let's just go ahead and say Washington State on that three and a half. Um, here goes another Pac-12 road team. Um, we got Colorado minus four and a half. Uh, they're playing. They're playing Arizona State here in the here in the Valley this week. I, I just that just don't don't see how Arizona State keeps that within a touchdown, honestly. But um, you know, weird, weirder things have definitely happened here in Tempe for sure. Um, you got TCU minus six and a half, and definitely love that one. Um, and then we got Illinois versus Nebraska. I'm actually going to say take the under in that game. Take the under. Take the under. Take the under. Sitting at forty three and a half last I saw. So. We'll love the under there for sure. <sighs> All right. Good stuff today, y'all.
Uh, I think I will be back on Friday Fun Day as we take a look at some other fun matchups as well as engage in some of the week storylines and some of the best talking points of the week. Uh, so yeah, pretty much we're going forward. What your your meat and potatoes is going to be coming every Tuesday, Lord willing, immunity, all that good stuff. Um, and then we're going to do some fun Fridays, just talking about some different things throughout the week. Probably try to even get on a couple of, uh, couple of, uh, good friends on here again. Got some good friends that, uh, know, know a thing or two about college football. So I'd love to get them on here as well. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much for being on the early stages of this journey with me. Um, it definitely means more to me than I can say. Um, this has been. All football is good football. Always remember that. And this is Aaron Irvin. God bless and have a wonderful Wednesday.